Well, good morning. I'm honored to be able to share with you today and uh, play part in uh, closing out 2017, and we thank you for making us part of your day as well. I know it's a cliche thing to say, but I actually can't believe tomorrow is 2018. Um, I'm excited to use the see you next year jokes uh, tonight because I see people next year. Uh, very cheesy. I also see that there are children here today in the service with us, which is awesome. I, uh, Kelsey and I ran a children's youth kind of mixed night a few weeks ago, and I was like, you know what, how hard can it be to teach the children? So within about two minutes of me starting to teach, there was a kid hanging upside down on his chair. Um, there was another one running laps around the circle, so I have a lot of uh, respect for Kelsey and what she does. So I hope you guys had a good Christmas. Um, my favorite part of Christmas wasn't actually a gift I got or really anything like that. Um, during the summer, Tiana, my wife, had kind of mentioned the word kayak to me hundreds of times to the point where I actually became anxious when I saw a kayak. So finally I decided it was time to, to get her one. So when I saw her open that gift and, and literally drape herself over the box and scream, um, that brought me just the most joy of the Christmas season. Um, another really cool thing was, was on Christmas Eve, I got the privilege of lighting the candles up in the balcony. Um, and it was so cool to see how the dark room that was, you couldn't see anything, as the candle got handed down the rows, um, to see that light change everything. And that's what I want to talk to you today, is three words that as I pressed into to what God wanted me to speak here today, I pressed into these three words, and this is what God gave me, is Jesus changes everything. So I did a Google search, um, which I do a lot, but I went on one of those things, I said, how many people are in the world? Um, so I found this number, 7 billion, let's see if I can say it, 7 billion, 650 million, 875 1,567, I don't know if I said that right, people, a lot of people. And as I searched it, I saw this number climbing, climbing, climbing as I was looking at it. And, and all I could imagine was like, I was like, how do they know? How do they know how many people are being born? Is there like someone with a checklist in every hospital who's like updating with a clicker and this website's updating? But there's a lot of people. And this is the one time of year I can think of where no matter what religious belief, no matter where you're from, no matter what you're going through or what, Everyone brings in a new year. And it is one of the only times during the year I can think of in my life, um, and I think in the lives of others, is where we embrace change. Um, I can think of uh, people making New Year's resolutions. How many of you guys here have a res New Year's resolution going into 2018? I'm, I'm interested to, to see. I see some hands. I know I've always had them. Um, some common ones are maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you want to save money. I see Luke like staring into my heart being like, I know how much you pay for your cell phone every month. Some people want to quit smoking, maybe, maybe make a change in their life where they want to start a new hobby or a new, new interest, things like that. And oftentimes what, what amazes me, I've even seen youth. I saw one of the youth is like, I'm going to post on my Instagram once a day for the whole year. Now, some of you might not understand and to be quite honest, I don't. Um, but a lot of times these, these changes come from a heart where you see something about yourself and you desire change. Now, now one I've always had is I, I was always, and like going into 2018 as well, is I always want to eat healthier. Uh, that's something I'm not good at. Um, you guys watching me bring an ice cap into work every day would be the first to tell me that, and I've heard it about it. Uh, my problem is, is I drive by McDonald's and I see the big M, and then I think of about six M's in a row, and I think of, hmm, and I stop. And I'm like, oh, I could get one thing, and it ends up turning into numerous things. 
Um, but that's something that I struggle with because I, I, I fall back into the trap of loving food, probably not good food. Youth don't listen because it's good to eat healthy and vegetables and all that stuff. But we often fall back into our, our problems that we do the last year. And it leaves every single year, we, we go back into 2019 next year and the year after that, always noticing a change that we want to make in ourselves. And I think these are good things. They're important. My point that I'm trying to make is, is oftentimes we fall short. And, and I challenge you to look at the bigger picture. Is there something greater that we fall short on every year? Maybe it's faith. Maybe, maybe it's, it's walking through areas of your life um, where, yes, God is good every year, and, and he is. But there's, there's sometimes challenges in our lives that, that leave us feeling empty, um, discouraged, discontent during a year. And that's what I want to hit on today. So, so as we know, this is 2017. I mean, and years are just a number. Um, they don't define our lives or anything like that. But I challenge you to maybe, maybe think of a, a year, like let's say 1990, for instance. When, when you hear 1990, what do you think of? I think of the last time the Oilers won the Stanley Cup. I wasn't born, but I still think of it. And then I think of 1967, which is way before that, and I think of that's the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. And I'm sitting here trying to think of a year for the Vancouver Canucks, but I just can't think of one because they've never won a Stanley Cup. But, but years are just a number. And, and, and as I, like I said, as I was pressing into this message, I thought of Jesus changes everything, not just some things. Making all those other changes, they can change an aspect of your life, and that's good. But there is one thing, there is one recipe in this world where Jesus, and it's Jesus, he changes everything if you allow him to do that. And, as, and like I said, as I was pressing in, I, I've seen God do amazing things in this church this year. I've seen him do some really cool things inside of myself and, and some other people. I've seen him do great things. I also know some days I'm afraid to turn on the news because there's always so much stuff happening in our world. Um, probably the biggest blessing in my life this year has being um, hired on as a pastor. I love what I do. Um, I never thought I would when I was a kid, but I love what I do. I love walking through, through the foyer on a Sunday morning and being greeted with hugs and, and welcomes and all that stuff. It's, it's awesome. But one of the other things that, that I've really been um, kind of challenged with and, and is how many good people go through difficult circumstances. Um, and I think it's not a lack of faith, it's not a lack of any of that stuff, but, but I, I see people struggle um, and I see people, and myself included, who, who I just want to tell so much, press in more discover God more, look for God more. Um, and as, as, as I was praying about this message, I, I thought of those three words, Jesus changes everything. So as you heard the scriptures, today is from James 1, um, verses 22 to 25. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You are only deceiving yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And this, this is powerful imagery. Like, I don't know, I, I'm sure you've all done this before, where, where you stand over the bathroom sink and, and you look and you stare at yourself in the mirror, and it's one of the few times in life where you see yourself naturally. You can look in at yourself with, blemish, with all your blemishes and and with nothing else, and you just stare at yourself. And I've been there before, and I've looked at myself in the mirror, and I've said, you need to change this. I'm looking at myself honestly, and there's areas of my life 
or I desire change, and I know change is needed. And, and there's no worse feeling than walking away and getting back into the same old habits and forgetting what I saw when I looked into that mirror and knew what needed to change. It's powerful imagery. It reminds me kind of of like, I remember I used to play video games, and I would sit in my room, and my mom would come in, and she'd be like, wow, like, there's clothes everywhere. Like, what color's the carpet? Uh, there's a lot of cups over there and drinks. And I'd look around and be like, wow, yeah, like, you're right. There's a lot of stuff in here that is built up over a day. <laughs> so I'd be like, yes, Mom, I, I need to change that. So she'd walk out, and I would turn, and I'd see the little, like, Xbox light in the corner, and I'd walk back over to it and just forget about everything that I just saw that I know needed change. It's like when you're a kid and, and you're in school. You look at your test, and you see an F, hopefully not, but I've seen Fs on the top of my paper before, and I'm looking for the invisible ink that says Antastic after that, but oftentimes it wasn't there, and I just see a big fail. And I'm like, man, I need to study. I actually need to do my homework. And I get trapped into the same old things. We always fall back in. So what does that look like in our lives with, with, in regards to our faith? I think there's three areas that I want to kind of tell a story about each one today that if we allow Jesus to saturate, as Aaron said, saturate those parts of our life, even when it's difficult, we will in fact see Jesus change everything. And if it was easy, if it was an easy decision that, that was just required no effort at all, then everyone would be doing it. But these three things are, are faith, love, and hope. And I'll explain those in a second, but I think those three things, if you allow Jesus to change each one of those, he will change everything in your life. So maybe you're a person who likes to think of things in like a visual. So faith, a cross, hope is an anchor, and love is a heart. So I challenge you to look at that today. So I'm going to start out with faith. So faith is believing in something that you can't necessarily see or you can't necessarily prove by looking at it. I find people's faith is often tested kind of when calamity hits, when you go through rocky times in your life, through wavy waters, things like that. Maybe it's an illness or a long period or battle with maybe mental health or depression or just feeling under the weather. Maybe you're fearful of something, fearful of the future, fearful of something happening in your life. Maybe it's relying on yourself too much. You're too consumed with the world where you enjoy everything too much and you're like, well, I'm supposed to have fun and I know, what, I know what's best for me. So you just completely shut faith out of your life. Now looking back on 2017, um, one thing that honestly I can say rocked my life big time was when I was hospitalized in February. Um, I had just started working here full time for maybe three weeks and one morning I woke up and I started to feel numbness in my body and within two days I was basically paralyzed from my neck down and I found myself laying in a hospital bed for about nine weeks after that. Oh, 10 days and then in my bed at home for nine weeks. And, and I've never felt a time in my life where I truly questioned what God was doing. I've been through things in my life before where, where I knew I could point back five years later and be like, I saw his fingerprint on a difficult circumstance. But I found myself here as, as working in a church, um, speaking to people about, about how great Jesus is, and I believe that. But that was a time in 2017 where my faith was truly tested. And that was so fearful for me. I'm a man of comfort. Um, I don't like being cold. I don't like having a cold car. I don't like any of that stuff. I'm a man of comfort. Um, I, get, I get razzed a lot of times. There's rumors 
going around about how picky of an eater I am. I looked up the word rumor and they are not rumors, they are true. I am a picky eater. But honestly, that's not my biggest fear. One of my biggest fears I could possibly think of, and imagine this with me, you're on a, on a poorly built boat in the middle of an ocean or lake, and it's dark. There's mountains on each side, and there's this massive body of water, and, and you are alone on the open water. That terrifies me. And, and I can't help but think of, of, of the story of Jesus calming the storm. So, so imagine this with me. You're one of the disciples, and Jesus says, hey, let's maybe go to the other side of the lake after a long day of teaching. And you're like, okay. So I'm in the boat, and I'm like, okay, well, I got the other disciples with me, and we're just cruising along, and everything's great. And all of a sudden, waves start to form, and there's winds blowing everywhere, and I'm freaking out. I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, over there, there's people, and there's, there's so much stuff happening. I'm, I'm filled with fear, and I don't... And then I look, and Jesus is sitting at the front of the boat, and he's got his head on a pillow, and he's asleep. And I'm kind of annoyed, <laughs> because I'm like... There's a storm brewing. My faith is being tested here. And I don't really see Jesus, this guy that I've seen perform miracles, really caring. He's sleeping. That bothers me. So I'm like, Jesus, wake up. Do you not care that this, this storm is brewing and you're in the boat with us? You should probably be concerned. But he doesn't. And he stands up and he rebukes the waves and the waves calm, the storm calms, and he says, do you guys not have any faith? <laughs> and, and we all look at each other and we're like, who is this guy? He just calmed a storm. Now, I, I, I've been on the, the, the water when there's storms and it is scary, but I can't imagine being one of those disciples on that water and, and I would probably be freaked out and I would be annoyed that Jesus was sleeping and he's not answering, he doesn't seem to care. But then out of nowhere, he, we ask him and he stands up and he calms the storm and then he challenges us. He says, do you guys not have any faith? There's three things I want you to remember about that story. These are people, if you've been with us the last three months, we've learned about the disciples. These are people that walked with Jesus. They heard his teachings. They saw his miracles. And yet, when the storm hit, they seemed to forget all that. They were freaked out. Even when he performed the miracle, they were in awe. They were like, who is this guy? These people are, are some of the guys who knew Jesus the best. And they were still afraid. It's really important to remember. Because you know what? When they've, they've, seen, they've seen in that mirror what Jesus can do, and then they walked away and they seemed to forget. Second, Jesus knows what we're going through. The first verse says, Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. If Jesus knows everything which he does, he knew that storm was coming. He's in the boat. He gets it. He's there with them. And that's the third thing, is Jesus was there with them, even when it didn't feel like it. And there's probably times in your life where your faith is being tested, and, and you're like, I can't hear an answer. You might think Jesus is asleep at the front of the boat and not caring about anything that's going on in your life. But in all reality, he's there with you. He's capable of stopping the storm. Maybe there's a reason for it, as difficult as that is. And one of the best ways to know Jesus better is by what Mark refers to as chair time. Understand his word. Understand, try to understand him more. 
I love that story because I, I could imagine what it would be like. I know what that's like in my personal circumstances of freaking out. But Jesus is always there. That is his one promise, that he, that one of his promises that he, he, uh, he will fulfill is he is always there. The second thing is love. Uh, this, is, this is a hard one for me. Um, sometimes it's really difficult to love people. I've been in enough arguments with my sister where I get framed for something I didn't do that I know it's hard to love people. Siblings can relate. Maybe, maybe this year you've gone through things, maybe it's a, it's a marriage you're struggling in, or maybe you've had friends hurt you. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And it's just difficult right now. It's, sometimes it's hard to love. One of the, a really beautiful, uh, excuse me, beautiful story about um, love is, is found in the 1950s, and, and you, many of you have probably heard of David Wilkerson. Now, David Wilkerson was a, a young, he called himself the skinny preacher. Um, and one night he was sitting at home um, on the country farm and he opened a Time magazine. And for some reason, as he was flipping through, he saw pictures of gang members in New York who were struggling with drug addiction. And for some reason, it was like a magnet for his eyes. And he looked at these, these people and all of a sudden, he just felt his heart break for them. And as he pressed into God, as he pressed into God, he said, why am I feeling this way? He felt it was his call and his mission to pick up everything he owned and move to New York City and minister to those gangs. So he goes there, and, and, and this is another thing. I can't imagine. Like, I'm a, I'm a guy of comfort. Like, my wife works with homeless people. Um, I, I care, but that's not one of my giftings. It's a gift to be that courageous and that bold and step out of your comfort zone and serve those who need it most sometimes. But there he is, picking up everything, moving across the city. And one of the gang members, he was the head, uh, one of the leaders of a gang called the Mau Mau's, and his name was Nicky Cruz. And after David Wilkerson would preach the gospel, his whole thing was about preaching love to people. He approached Nicky Cruz one day, and he, and he says, will you shake a skinny preacher's hand? And Nicky, uh, Nicky Cruz spat on the ground, looked him in the face, and says, you come near me and I'll kill you. And David Wilkerson replies with, you could cut me into 1,000 pieces and lay them on the road, and every single one of them would cry, I love you. And it's a powerful story. Because one of the things I, I, I've, I've learned in life, in ministry, is when people don't embrace you, it is sometimes hard to love. But God put these people on his heart so much, and he cared so much about the gospel, that he didn't care about his safety, he didn't care about being liked. He was still committed to loving people unconditionally, even if those things were tested. At our wedding, we heard 1 Corinthians 13. Many of you have probably heard it about how love is patient and love is kind, and it's all so true. But I love verse 1, and it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And I think of that, and if I'm talking to someone, and it's not, it's not out of love, or if I'm, if I'm dealing with someone, and it's not out of love, I can just picture this big, annoying cymbal that overpowers everything. In Mark 12, we read about how we must love the Lord our God first. And second, we must love our neighbors as ourselves. And those are the two most important commandments. And in 1 John 4, 19, we read, we love because he first loved us. We are not deserving of his love. Yet he loves us. People who we are challenged with might not deserve to be loved, but we are called to love them. And I can promise you, if you try and do that yourself year after year, day after day, eventually you will fail. 
because we are human, we are impatient, and sometimes love can only come from God. So what are some ways you can love people? Realizing without him, sometimes I've tried, I can't do it. Pray for people. One of the, one of the best advice, um, one of the times I got the best advice was from my dad, and he said, if, if, if you're angry at someone, pray for them. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Pray for people. Pray for patience in yourself. God can provide that. And oftentimes when we love people, they notice that we're loving them. And they say, why do I deserve this? Why is that person different? What do they have that I don't? Be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the third thing, the anchor, hope. And when I think of an anchor, I think of something that I often was the one throwing off the side of the boat because my dad said his back hurt. But, I'm <laughs> just joking, but an anchor is something that holds a boat planted so it doesn't move. Hope is something that we want to trust in and know in the future so that we can just be kind of calm and relaxed and not have to, have to wander in our thoughts or our worries. And honestly, I've had so many conversations with people in 2017 of, of them having no more hope. There's nothing worse than dealing with someone and wanting to help them so badly when they feel like there's no hope. They feel like their heartbeat is kind of useless. Sometimes hope comes again through depression. Maybe it's, maybe it's you lost your job and, and, and you don't know and you see your bank account and you see the numbers in there and, and you're afraid. There's no hope. Maybe it's, again, losing a loved one, and you, maybe you believe you'll see them again, but it's still hard to imagine a future without that person who was such, a, such an important piece to the puzzle of your heart. I want to tell a story um, about someone, maybe a lot of you have heard of, of Nick Vujicic. If you don't know Nick Vujicic, um, actually I was at the connections desk and I saw someone handing in a book. It, it's basically, he was born without arms and legs. Um, he's a pastor's, pastor's son. He was born without arms and legs. And his now, now his motto, his ministry is no limbs, no limits. Or life without limits. And I'm a huge pun guy, and that's awesome. But he was born without arms and legs. And he tells a story about how when he was born, apparently, his, his dad saw him come out and he saw his shoulder that had no arm. And, and he said, doctor, there's no, he has no arm. And the doctor says, no, he has no arms or legs. So for the first Five years of his life, he, he, he tells how it was really awkward and, and people in his, his congregation were saying, how could the pastor's son be born without arms and legs? Like, what did they do? What happened? Why did God do this to him? He tells a story about how he says, I know I'm a sinner. He says, I know the only way I will ever have peace in my life is with Jesus. He said, but I refuse to allow Jesus into my life until he answers one question. Why did you not give me arms and legs when everyone else has arms and legs? So it led to, to suicidal thoughts. And, and this is a story, I was actually at YC when I was 14, and this guy carried something out and put it on a table, and I was like, well, what is that? And it was Nick. <laughs> he, he has no arms and legs, he got brought out, sat on a table, it's basically just a torso, and he's telling this story about how this all happened. And at one point, he came to the point in his life where he didn't want to live anymore. He had no hope. 
God didn't answer his question. He felt like he had nothing. How can a guy with no arms and no legs ever impact anyone? So what did he do? He told his parents, he's like, I'm going to go take a bath. So he goes into the bathroom, and he runs the bath water. He's an amazing guy. He can brush his teeth. He now surfs. He just had twins. Amazing guy. But at this point in his life, he runs the bath water, and he says he rolled over four times in the tub trying to kill himself. And he said the thing that stopped him was how much he loved his parents and how much they loved him. He said if there's one thing worse than parents having a son with no arms and no legs, it's parents who have a son with no arms and no legs who gave up. So his mom encouraged him to open the word of God and read it. And he came across a verse in John 9 where Jesus comes across a blind man who was born blind from birth. And the townspeople are kind of like, whoa, Jesus, like, what kind of sin did his parents commit or what happened that he is born this way? And Jesus replies, it was done so that the works of God may be revealed through him. And Nick said that right then and there he gave his life to Jesus because he knew his life had purpose. He's now spoken in six continents to over 10 million people. One of the most amazing guys um, that I've ever really come across in my life. And, and, and I understand that sometimes in your life your circumstances are hard. Um, things that you're going through are, are challenging and maybe you don't see a hope. But something he says is, is when you're looking for God to change your circumstances, when you're looking and comparing yourself to other people, he says comfort and hope is not found in comparing your circumstances to someone else's. He said your hope can be changed by looking at the amazing grace and love of Jesus. That is where your hope can be found. Oftentimes we look around and, and we're waiting for our circumstances to change. We're looking for things in our lives to change. And we're looking for miracles. When in all reality, the biggest miracle that can ever happen already took place. Jesus came, was born, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose again. That is a miracle, and that provides hope. No matter what happens to this body, I have hope. Like we read in John 3.16, For he so loved the world, he sent his one and only Son. For whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life with him. That is such a great, great hope. Now I see all these things kind of intertwining with one another. And I, I, I see how love, hope, faith, they all connect. And sometimes those things are hard. And, and how, how can Jesus change everything? Maybe you're sitting here for the first time today and you're like, you know what, I've never, I've never really taken faith seriously. I've never, I, I, it's hard, I have a hard time believing in God. And we welcome you. And we've all been there at some point. Maybe for you, you're, you're a believer and you've been a believer your whole life and you faithfully, you, you commit to God and you live your life for him. But you're feeling empty. You're feeling, you're feeling like you're struggling in an area of your life. How does Jesus change everything? I think the biggest thing is truly surrendering your life to him with reckless abandon. When I think of the word reckless abandon, I think of like throwing off every chain. That song we just sang, you can have it all. The greatest call is giving you my all. And oftentimes that's, that's hard. But we have to get to the point where we realize without ourselves, it's just a continuous cycle and we will fail. Nick says the reason he gave his life to Jesus at the end of the day was because he had tried everything else. And all these people kept telling him about that perfect law that sets you free. And he said he knew it and he would look in the mirror and he would see it. But then he would wander away back into his doubts, into his concerns, into his seeing no arms and legs. And he would forget about that perfect law, Jesus' teachings that set you free. 
So maybe that's you. And you say, how can I do that? There's three pastors here. There's a lot of people in this church. There's different ministries. Maybe 2018 looks like that for you. Or, yeah, 2018, that's weird. 2018 looks like that for you. Maybe, maybe you need to commit to something. Maybe it's your chair time. Maybe it's actually just saying, for once in your life, getting down on your knees and saying, you know what, Jesus, I've tried everything else. I, I, I have doubts. I have fears. I have all of that stuff. But I need you. I want you in my life. There are pastors. There are people. There are ministries. There are, there are a lot of good people in this church, and that is something that I know who will walk with you. They will help you. They will love you. They will pray with you. But everyone has to get to that point of saying, you know what? Maybe I'm doing okay. Maybe I'm doing not okay. But I know I need Jesus. I encourage you, talk to him. Read his word. Talk to someone about what that looks like in your life. In closing, um, I just want to play a video. Um, the youth are going to love this. Um, maybe some of you haven't heard. It's a spoken word poet. Um, and he basically describes his life as the lost sheep where he knows about teachings of Jesus, he knows what it looks like, but at the end of the day, he's always turning from what he knows, and he wanders back until one day he grabs that sink, he looks in the mirror, and he says, I need that perfect law to set me free. I need Jesus to set me free. It's powerful stuff. Thank you. I am a lost sheep with no individual identification when compared to those around me. I am a mercenary of sheep as far as the eye can see, and as far as I can see, I'm not even who I want to be. Even though I claimed I was just doing me, I was just another culture clone. Now I see myself in Cologne, wearing all the coolest clothes. It's amazing how you can be surrounded and still feel alone. I mean, I grew up okay. I had relatively nice things. I had relatively cool friends and would sometimes even go to church on the weekends. But my weakness, my brokenness, was so much more real to me than the God these pastors claim could set this sheep free. Because where was this shepherd? No, where was his flock? No, why haven't any of them tried to meet me in the darkness where I walk? Destiny was not my dictionary. Value, not my thesaurus. So of course, I got a course when the only source of support was coming from Jersey Shore. I was a wandering one, the prodigal son. I want a God, but soaking in sin seemed more fun, not knowing you'll leave me dry as a sponge in the desert sun. So like John Lennon, I imagined this savior I wanted to see. But like Paul McCartney, I was scared, so I just let it be driving around pimping in my yellow submarine all the while screaming help I need somebody see I lived in this constant state of curiosity updated my Facebook views to Christian but didn't live the way I ought to be no I just flirted with the theology never could fully commit to dating the doctrine properly so I just took a step back awkwardly grabbed the telescope and kept my space like astronomy Let's see you can't stargaze at the king of days without seeing the sun break so when I heard that the sun raised on the third day, I realized I was a sheep that was never even lost in the first place. No, I was just sitting in my own grave, right where it happened to be my very own rebirth day. See, I was the sheep that put him on a crucifix 
to fix the death from which I am dismissed. I labored in sin and he took my shift. Holes made in his wrists as our spots were switched and death swung a haymaker that completely missed. Because my God is like Muhammad Ali in the ring with the grace of a butterfly and the sovereignty of a king. He dodges every cold fatal sting of death with the very same breath that put life inside my chest. So if you call the gospel trash, then I guess you'll grasp the message. Cause my God dumpster dives head first into wreckage. He transforms recycled sinners into his very own reflection so you can call him a garbage man. Cause he turned my mess into a message. Because since Genesis, our hearts have been anything but sinless. Despite all of our reports of being horrendous, the debt paid by the blood of a son tremendous. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. It's his pursuit after you is relentless.